believe me, I passed away. And this is somewhat of a special edition of our Bible study. I'd like for you to join with me in the book of Exodus, the third chapter, the fourth through the fourteenth verse. And I'm not going to guarantee you that I'm going to go through this all line by line, word by word. Because tonight the subject area is sensitive, it's real, it's powerful, and I feel somewhat, I guess, unable to really fully address this subject as it should be. But hopefully the Lord will give us Exodus the third chapter, the fourth through the fourteenth verse. And studying this and reading it, it says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here am I. God said, Do not come in closer. Take off the sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land, from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt. Now comes more clear what I want to address tonight. It says, but Moses said to God, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God in this mount, on this mountain. Then Moses said, listen, listen, Moses said, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And then what if they should ask me? What is his name? Then what am I going to say to them? What, what, what am I going to? How will I respond to the fathers that are there, the mothers that are there in the land, the children that are there in the land? If they ask me, if Pharaoh asked me, if anybody in all of Egypt should ask me, who is this guy? 
God says to him these key words. I am that I am. I am that I am. I am who I am. This is what you would say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to I struggle, I struggle with the text. And my struggle with its whole I am. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just keep it real with you tonight. My struggle lies in the same heart of Moses as it did with the children of Israel, as it did with Pharaoh and his army and all of Egypt. Many of those who have studied in the Bibles across the years and preachers and deacons alike, and saints and sinners, if you will, this whole I am that I am. And while meditating and praying and thinking about this presentation tonight, it just really kind of dawned up in me and struck to me in my spirit that even as I meditated, I could see Moses going back to Egypt. I could see him returning to the place of his birth. I could see him calling forth the counsel of all of the elders and all of the priests and all of the people of Israel and I could see him putting them together and basically his return to Egypt and to all of the children of Israel and as they sit around and he says to them God talked to me he spoke to me he gave me a message and many of them perhaps looked at him and probably wondered, where you been all of this time? We know you've been in exile. We know that you were kicked out of Egypt. But here you have, you've returned here and there is something about you, an urgency. There is something that seems to be embedded with you. And, and, and you've come to give us a message. And then he says to them, I am has sent me to deliver you. Now, I want you to pause with me because in my spirit, I see some people, a person, I see somewhere in the presence. And they say in their minds, has Moses lost his mind? Has he become senile? Has the wilderness somehow affected him? Because we've been praying to God a long time. We've been praying. Our forefathers have prayed. We have been under bondage for a long time. We've been struggling a long time. And now here he comes as the spokesman of God. And I know that you probably are saying that I'm just kind of just wondering with words here, but the truth I'm com coming to the point. Here's the, here's the point. The point lies in the struggle that we have with I am. The point lies in with, 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 with that part of us that the phrase, the idea, the realness, the truth about I am is difficult to grasp. 
And I've been pastoring a little while, and I've been saved a little while, and and, and, and and even in the midst of my journey and my experience with God, I still, at times, am brought back to the same ambiguous, unclear struggle about I am. I wonder to myself, and and and. and I'm not the only one that wonder, but even if I was, I would still keep it real with you. I wonder about I am. Because, because in Egypt, they had gods that they could touch. In Egypt, they had gods that they could feel. They had gods that represented all kinds of endeavors and situations and Gods of the sea, and gods of the wind, and gods of the rain, and gods of the harvest. But here comes Moses returning out of exile, and he seems to demand that he represents the one and the true and the living God. And so I've written down a couple of things tonight that I just kind of want to touch upon. And, and, and so if, if you would, just walk with me a little while, because I won't... To just deal with this whole question of yes, but who is he? Because in my mind, I can see someone in the midst of that congregation saying to themselves, yes, but who is he? Who, who is this God? Who is it? And why is it that God is so invisible? Why is it that he is so Distant, why is it that he is so far and why is it that he seems to cloak himself in anonymity? Why is it that he why is it that he just can't come out and be real? I mean real in the sense of let my eyes be able to look upon you. And I know I know that many of you are going to say that the Bible says that if we look upon the face of God, we will die because I guess we cannot handle his holiness. And because he is so pure in holiness that to look upon his face, knowing that we are sinners, knowing that we are saved, knowing that we have not been completely righteous, just that experience alone would so overwhelm us that we would die. And maybe some of you don't believe that. Maybe you don't buy into that. Because there is that part of me, that is that part of me, it might be the karma part of me, that might be that intelligent side of me that struggles with a God that I cannot see. Because it causes me some uncomfortability. I feel some kind of way to pray. And I hear a voice. I feel some kind of way to work and serve, to tithe, to give, to do all of these things. And, and to do it without something concrete, something tangible, something that my mind can wrap itself around. And, and, and during these holiday seasons where we come together and we celebrate the birth of Jesus the Christ. Some people struggle. And maybe all of us struggle at some point with this whole reality that God is untouchable. You can't see him. I 
senses cannot behold it. How can you, you, be, you want me to believe, Moses, that you, you have come from out of the wilderness and you want me to believe that you have heard from the God that we've been praying to for over 400 years. You want me to believe that suddenly he has manifested himself to you and he has sent you here with this burning message on the inside. And the message seems to be quite clear to you, only to you. That he has sent you from out of exile and has come with no army. He has come with no arsenal. The only thing that you have in your hand is a staff. And suddenly we are to believe that somehow we are going to walk out of Egypt because of you, a staff. And God we cannot see. It's amazing to me now. The Spirit comes and says that how you can pray a long time, you can praise a long time, you can read the Bible a long time and still have moments where God is so far, so spacious, so invisible, so silent, and it causes you to be frustrated in your spirit. It causes you to feel and to wonder even at times about his realness. And I know that may sound sacrilegious, but I, I must keep it real. It, it just seems because people want to know. I want to know. We all want to know. Is this real? Moses comes into Egypt and has this meeting and he talks to the elders and all of these people in and he says, God has sent me. And so even before he gets there, Moses understands and knows that there is going to be somebody at the meeting. If not a few people, a lot of people are going to want to know about the God that you come here saying that you represent. Who is it? Because after all of these years of praying, none of us have seen it. After all of this faithfulness that we've had over the years, after all of our teaching of our forefathers, after all of the suffering and sacrificing and just waiting that for him to come and to deliver us and to bring us to a better place, after all of this, that boop, here you come, Moses. And you step up talking about, he sent you. You got to give us something greater than that. And so, I'm thinking about this and praying about this, especially during this time when people are struggling and going through some, some difficulties in their life and in that situation because Egypt, for the Israelites, represented bondage. It represented suffering. It, it, it represented sacrifice. And in the midst of all of this, they could see the Egyptians who were praying to and worshiping and bowing down and, and sacrificing to their God. And they could see the prosperity of the Egyptians, but they recognized that in their own lives, they were struggling and going through some hard times, but yet they were being faithful to this Yahweh. So the Egyptian gods 
were feeding them. The Egyptian gods were keeping them in power. The Egyptian gods were taking care of them and they were not even recognizing Yahweh, the God that we serve. But yet the God that we serve has kept us and allowed us to be in bondage for all of these years. Because when God doesn't answer you when you want him to answer you, when you feel like you have struggled enough, when you have gone through so much pain over the course of your lifetime, and, and in the midst of all of this, nobody can accuse you of not having prayed. Nobody can accuse you that you didn't try to be faithful. Nobody can say that you didn't try to hang in there, but it seems like even in your faithfulness, even in all the prayers that you prayed, in all of the times you've gone to church and you praised Him, in all of the suffering and the sacrifice, it seems like your lot in life continues to be one Headache after another headache, one heartache after another heartache, one struggle after another struggle. And nobody can blame you for coming to the point at some time or another to begin to ask yourself the question, where is my God? Because if I was like all of the other people in the world, if I wasn't being faithful, if I wasn't sacrificing, if I wasn't trying to listen to mama's instruction, if I wasn't praying and crying out, and I did what they did, look like I would be better off. The preacher wants to convince me. God is real. He wants to remind me of what the Bible says. He wants to tell me to keep on praying. He wants to keep on telling me to keep on. But I can only take so much. He says, I know the cliches. He may not come when you want him, but it's always on time. Okay. But he seems overdue. Prayers are not being answered. I'm in the same rut. I'm no better off this year than I was last year. I, I'm struggling. I got children I'm struggling with. I, I'm looking for God to show up and to give me a breakthrough. I listen to preachers like T.D. Jakes and Noel Jones and my preacher at the church. And they tell me that I'm in next in line for a breakthrough. I'm next in line for a miracle. I'm. This is my season. It's been my season now for 12 months. Then you want to tell me that's a reason for my pain and my struggle. I'm voicing all of these frustrations because I know that there's somebody who is listening to me right now who is going through this very same issue with an invisible God. A God that you can't see. A God that you can't hear. A God that you can't feel. A God that you can't touch. So if I can't feel, I can't touch, I can't hear... How am I to relate to him? How am I to continue to believe that this God is actually real? So if you understand what I'm saying right now, then you will understand the concern that Moses has when he goes to God. He has this meeting and God talks to him and speaks to him and says to him, I'm sending you to tell my people, now is the time for deliverance. Now is the time. And I'm sending you to represent me. I'm going to make all things right. I'm going to deliver them from out of bondage. And I go up there 
And I stand before all of those people and tell them what you tell me to say to them. They're going to look at me like I'm crazy because all I have is my word, your word, and this, that. And some of you right now listening to my voice. You feel like a fool. Because you know you've tried to be faithful. You've tried to be honorable. You've tried to do the right things. You've tried to do all of those things. And you suffer. You're struggling. You're hurting. And you don't want to cry out and say anything negative. You don't want to say anything wrong. You don't want people to believe that you're weak in the faith. You don't want people to look at you as though you you, you have failed in your salvation and in your Christianity. Inside the struggle is real because you ain't feeling God. You don't say it because you don't want to be sacrilegious. But you ain't feeling God. You don't see where he's moving. Pray, you don't hear his voice. You ask for a sign, he gives you no sign. It's almost as though he's not real. And you feel you feel lost because you look in the eyes of other people and they seem to just hear directly from God. He said to me, he spoke to me, he showed me. But you don't have that feeling. You don't have that experience. Your experience is still an invisible God. So that's why I pull you to the side tonight. That's why I'm having this time with you right now because I know it's real for you. And I, I want to tell you that I I, I'm not judging you. I, I, I want you to know and understand that I don't look down on you because many of the feelings and the thoughts and the struggles that you're having in your faith are some of the very same thoughts, feelings, and struggle that I experience even now in my faith. And I don't mind us keeping it real because God is real. So let's look at it. Let's think about it just for a moment. Maybe maybe we can come to some kind of understanding. So I, I, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you. Never in my life have I ever heard the voice of God in my ear. Now I've heard people talk about yeah I've heard I I, I heard him I, I heard an audible voice speak to me and I will not contradict that I will not refute that I will not argue or debate the truthfulness of that 
but I can testify to you, I have never heard the audible voice of God. I've never seen God in my life. Never seen his face. Can you tell you what his hair looks like? Outside of what might be listed in the Bible, in Revelation, I'm just saying, I can't tell you I have ever seen God with my eyes. Never touched him. Never felt him. Moses had the benefit of being able to see God from the back. He was able to see the train of God, but he couldn't look upon God's face, but he was able to see with his eyes the back of God and to see the train of God. But I've never had that benefit. Can't tell you how tall he is. Can't tell you whether his voice is deep or whether it's mid-range or high-pitched. I can't tell you any of those things. So I'm, I'm telling you, I'm confessing to you right here, live on social media. I'm telling you. I would have been one of those people at the meeting... And I would have been there when Moses walked in and said that he heard from God. And I would have wanted to know from Moses what he sounded like. I would have wanted to know what he looked like. I would have wanted to know uh, what was the sense of his presence. Give us some kind of description. I would have had a thousand questions just about the makeup of God if I had been in that congregation. And so Moses was right to ask and say to God, when I go, somebody there was going to want to know who you are. Somebody is going to want to know. What am I to tell them? And then God says to him these words. And I'm going to be honest with you and tell you right up front. These words were not and at times have not been satisfactory to me. His response to Moses gave me problems because once again, it lacks definitive. It lacks definitiveness. It lacks structure. It lacks something tangible. It lacks something that will appease that part of me that needs more evidence. Moses says to him, what am I going to tell the people as to who it is that is sitting God responds to him, tell them I am that I am. See, that is, that's what I'm trying to tell you right there. That, that, that ambiguity, that, 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 that lack of clear clarity, that, that, that lack uh, of that which satisfies the curiosity, the need to know, a desire greater evidence. That he is. I am that I am. Just tell him I am that I am. And so, so tonight, right now, I bring that to him in spirit. And I lay it down at his feet because I know that I have struggled with who he is. I know that somebody right now listening to me struggles with that whole I am that I am. What is that? What 
kind of answer. And, and uh, I'm speaking to you like this. But, but when I bring it to him, I had to bring it to him with humility. I had to bring it to him and not questioning him, but rather seeking and desiring something that I can build faith on. So I bring to him in spirit that very same question, basically that Moses wants to have an answer to his. What am I to tell them? What am I to tell myself? What am I to tell my fear? What am I to tell my intelligence? What am I to tell my emotions? What am I to tell my situation? What am I to tell this moment and this circumstance? What am I to tell these trials, these tribulations? What am I to tell these bills? What am I to tell these people who are questioning my dignity? What am I to tell this moment where I have to make the decision whether to turn the other cheek or whether to pray for my enemies? What am I to tell them about who he is? Because if I cannot come up with a response, if I am left with an invisible God, somehow I lose motivation to go far. I need you to understand me tonight, what I'm talking about, because it's, it's real. I am that I am. So I brought it. I did that. I did that thing, man. I brought that thing to God. And I, 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 I prayed to him about this whole invisibility. I prayed to him about this vagueness, about this lack of definitiveness. I wanted to know. I need something to carry me through the struggle. I need something that's going to keep my mind right. I need something that's going to chase away these doubts and these fears and these insecurities that oftentimes try to overwhelm my faith. These weeds of doubt that want to somehow choke me out of my belief. I brought it to him and I said, well, who are you? Why are you so vague? Why can't you just be clear to me? Why don't you just talk to me? Let me hear your voice. Even if I can't see your face, Make something move in my house. Nebuchadnezzar was able to see your hand writing on the wall. Send an angel. Let my father come back to me. Let my grandmother show up right now. Send somebody who I know has passed on. Let them talk to me. Now I'm struggling. I need something more than an invisible God. I ask him, why don't you speak to me audibly? Now you may not be able to be on this level 
And the only reason why I am on whatever level that I am is because of my maturity, whatever level that is. So I don't feel like it's very high. And in my experience with him along this journey, he speaks to me now. He says to me, Williams, I represent as I am. Because anything that I say, your mind will use it against me. Any description that I give you beyond I am that I am will limit me in your mind. If I tell you I'm God and God all by myself, that's not enough for you. If I say to you I am that I am, that's not enough for you. If I tell you that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that's not enough of you. If I tell you I am the God of your fathers, I am the creator of the heavens and the earth, that's not good enough for you. It's not good enough. Why? Because all of those things for you and for so many other people are merely cliches. There are words that you hear in a church service and they have lost their meaning. If I tell you I'm your friend, then you're going to try to restrict and confine me to your understanding of a friend. So that when it seems like I am unfriendly to you, then the devil will use that as cause to doubt my existence. If I tell you that I'm a mother to the motherless, then you will bring somehow the devil will use gender against me. If I tell you I'm a father to the fatherless, same thing. If I tell you that I'm all powerful, that's not enough for you. Nothing, nothing, no description that that which is infinitive or infinite, eternal, spirit, no definition can ever be given to the finite concerning the infinite. Because we lack the ability, we lack the capacity to understand the totality of God. And I'm frustrated with that because I, 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 I hear the Spirit saying that to me and, and, and breaking it down to me and, and, and speaking with me, not in an audible voice, but I, can, I, I hear Him in my spirit saying to me, I am so sad that this whole concept, this whole road, this whole prescription of faith and following me by faith is not enough because there is nothing else that can be said. There is no other kind of way that can guarantee you that you're going to get the maximum of what God is trying to offer you other than following him by faith. Why? Because our minds are so corrupted with the need to know more so that every time he gives us something we come up with another question. 
We always continually want to know why, what, when, where, how long, all of these things. And so at some point, that which is forever, that which is infinite, that which is eternal, says, you have to just trust God knows the scripture that I give you will ever satisfy. I cannot tell you any one thing. I can't tell you multiple things and get you to just follow me from faith by this. Because the moment that I answer you with something, you will confine me and therefore seek to compromise me. This is the problem that God struggles with us with. In fact, indeed, the proof of that is in the pudding, because remember the children of Israel, Israel, when they came out of Egypt, when they went around the mount, Moses had been gone too long for them. Then they began to question, and they say to Aaron, make us a God that we can see, make us a God that we can bow down, make us a God that can go before us, make us, what they were telling him is that the invisible God that we have been following, the one that Moses has been talking about and encouraging us to be faithful behind, it's not working for us. So we want something that we, our minds, can grasp. And if your mind can grasp God, that ain't God. struggle with and I said with God there's so many people who would they, they would follow you they, 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 they would they would gather around you they would embrace you they would allow you to be God of their lives if you would only speak in a voice that they could hear then he rebukes me in the spirit again and he says to me Williams there you go there you go there you go once again, you want to limit me to something physical when I'm spiritual. I'm spirit. I am spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. If you wish to be in contact with me, understand it is not going to happen physically. It's going to happen spiritually because I am spirit. And I say to him... I don't understand spirit. And he says to me, and that's the problem. Your intellect is trying to control things. Your intellect, which is so limited, so distorted, so tainted, so messed up. Your intellect wants to control me. Well, I say to him, and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm perhaps I'm not so focused on the text, but I want you to understand what I'm saying. I'm trying to get you to see that when Moses stands before the children of Israel, somebody there wanted to know who is this God? Because even though I have been following him as I have followed him, over the course of my life and saw it in my mother's life and my father's life, I still cannot relate to him. There are those of you who were brought up in the church. 
There are those of you who had godly parents. There are those of you who were brought up in Christian homes. And the reality is you have struggled this whole while. Why? Because God has been invisible. Because God is not audible. Because God is not flesh. Because your mind cannot wrap itself around him, And therefore it's difficult for you to follow him because he demands you follow him. Not by evidence. But by faith. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care what your relationship has been over the course of the years. The reality is you still run into times when you struggle because you want God to be more evident and you want him to be more active. That right there is another lie. Because God has never stopped being active in your life. If you are waiting to detect God based upon your own credential, based upon your own understanding, if you are waiting to be able to say this is God, based upon that with your intelligence, you're going to always struggle, man. You're going to always struggle. Okay. And then while I was praying and meditating on this thing, huh, because I wanted him to be, I wanted him to talk to me, you know. I wanted to hear his voice. Because there are times when your mind is so cluttered. All kinds of situations, scenarios, possibilities, options, feelings come and contaminate, contaminate your, your thinking and your struggle. And so, you know what? You just want to hear God say, yes or no. Yes or no. Yes or no? And you say to yourself, if he would just say yes or no, if he makes himself clear, if he speaks it in such a manner to whereas he can have the voice of James Earl Ray, I don't know. Yes. Or Charleston Aston. No. If he would just do that, then I'll follow him. And we really believe that. We convince ourselves that if we just hear that voice, yes. No, follow him. And then he struck me. And I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you. I asked God, I said, well, why you just don't say? And he says to me in my spirit, William, You are so addicted to noise. You always got to hear with your ears. No. And one of the biggest issues that I have with the church 
with my people. Don't expect this from people who don't know my voice. One of the biggest problems that I have. No. Don't know how just sits still. You don't know how to just sit still and wait. When you go to pray, it's a monologue. You believe you got to talk all the time. Tell him what you want. The line is never busy. So as soon as you start to pray, you just go to talk. Whether you're talking out loud, whether you're talking in your head, whether you're talking from your heart, whether you're talking from your emotions, whether you're talking from your intelligence, whether you're talking from your fear, whether you're talking from your insecurities, you just go to talk. Just talk. Da, da, da. Lord, 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 Lord. Help me, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord. Talk, 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 talk. And then after you get through talking, you say amen. Click them. Click them. And then you get up, go right back into the jump. You get up, you go right back into allowing your head and your mind to be used by the devil to show you worst case scenarios, to have all of these whispers in. You just won't sit. My daddy used to say, boy, sit your behind down. Sit down. Stop being in such a hurry. Learn how to just shut up and listen. So I'm going to tell you right now. You looking at me right now. I'm going to tell you straight up what he told me to tell you. Shut up. And just listen. Learn how to get still. Learn how to wait patiently. But I feel foolish. I feel dumb. I feel crazy. I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. I feel like I'm just listening. And I don't hear anything. Because you are not listening in the spirit. You are listening with me on the clock. And you're listening for some kind of voice. And that's not how I operate. Learn. How in your life to sit your behind down. Spend time with him. Not running your mouth. Just listen. Just listen. Say it with me. Just listen. All this talk, all this crying, all of this venting, all of this fussing. All of this is just making you more anxious, getting you impatient, talking you into courses of your own intelligent mind directing your own path. Listen, David, listen. Elijah, listen. The prophets, listen. Samuel, listen. Grandmother, listen. I'm trying to get you to understand that if you're going to hear from God, stop trying to hear him with your ears. Get him off of your clock. And stop trying to ask for all of these signs. And learn how to sit back and be patient. And say, you know what? I'm going to shut up. I'm just going to shut up. I'm going to shut up. 
I'm going to wait on it. I'm not going to try to hear him with my ears. I'm going to lay my spirit out. And if I make any kind of noise, it's going to be a joy for no. So, so this is what I want to tell you right here. When you start praising him, it breaks down the noise. And you give up a jar for noise. And the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. And so if you don't know what to say, get out of the vocabulary. If you don't know what words to speak, stop trying to struggle with your dictionary. And just learn how to praise him. Learn how to exalt him. If you want to make any kind of noise, be determined that the noise you're going to make is a job of noise. Because if you really want a relationship with God, if you really want to get to know him, if you really want to feel his presence, if you really want to have that peace that passes all understanding, if that's what you really and truly desire, learn how to get out of yourself and just start praising him. Praise him for what? Praise him for whatever. Things that your mind don't understand. Things that you think your mind understands. People that you like and people that you don't like. Praise Him for every situation. Get to the point to where as you're afraid, your praise is fanatical. Where the devil say, every time I throw something bad at him, he turns around, she takes around, and he praises God for even the bad. Because when you praise Him, that acknowledges Him. That's a wrap. You don't have to explain nothing to me. I trust you. You don't have to be verbal to me. I trust you. I'm just going to shut up. And you know what? Let me just say this. For the doubters, there were doubters, even among the children of Israel. For the skeptics and the cynics, everybody eventually saw the move of God. Because at the end of the day, they walked out of Egypt, out of Egypt, not shedding any one drop of blood, not having to go through any kind of trial or tribulation with the Egyptians. As a matter of fact, when they walked out of Egypt, the record is they walked out of Egypt, all of them, and they had with them Egyptian gold. Now you tell me. In what other kind of scenario, situation, or circumstance that could have happened outside of the hand of God? Shut up, man. If I'm offensive to you, okay, I'm going to take this. Shut up. Shut up. I know you want to make your request known. Shut up. Be still. Be still. Shut up. Shut out. When I say shut out, I mean shut out the devil because he wants to talk and he wants you to talk because he knows if he is talking and you are talking, you can't hear God. So shut up. Find a quiet place on a regular basis. Praise. That's the only noise you're able to make a jump or noise. Shut up. And then get in that closet or wherever you might be and just say, God, I'm here, I'm still, and I'll come back again. I ain't leaving, I ain't hanging up, because I just want you to know 
I'm accept the I am that I am. Finally tonight, I know you've heard me talk, and I thank you for the opportunity to be in your ear. But I really wish you would let God into your spirit. You don't know it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I know that is the scripture text. The 17th verse of the third chapter that of John says, He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so I'm, I'm coming to you tonight with an invisible God. I'm coming to you tonight with a God that you may not ever hear. I'm coming to you tonight with the God that you may not ever be able to touch while you're on his side. And I'm saying to you, believe that he Shut up. It's there. And you'll know that he is. God bless you, Nikki.